Welcome to episode number 59 for the National Land Realty Podcast, where we discuss all things land. Our goal here is to inform, educate, and entertain those of you who own land or are interested in the buying and selling of land throughout the United States. My name is Mac Christian, and I am the Chief Marketing Officer here at National Land Realty. I'll be your host for this episode. People who work hard and find success often get labeled as lucky. It's easy to become jealous of people who are successful because it's hard to quantify exactly what effort it took for that individual to find success. Today, we're talking with three successful land real estate agents who worked very hard to get where they are. Part of that work is the accredited land consultant designation, which requires a plane trip, several days of coursework, and countless study hours. Ashley McCraney, Jim Fleissner, and Nicholas Artis attended the Real Estate Land Institute's ALC training as well as the Apex Awards. Here's the thing. They didn't expect that one of them, Ashley McCraney, would win one of the most prestigious awards of the evening. Ashley was awarded as the Apex 2022 National Broker of the Year in Agribusiness Sales by the Realtors Land Institute. This is a story of hard work from people who are doing it. This is a story of success. Don't call these people lucky. Now sit back and enjoy. I am sitting here today with not one, not two, but three guests. I have Ashley McCraney, Jim Fleissner, and Nicholas Artis, uh, respectfully from all across the country. Uh, so I want to ask each one of you to sort of introduce yourselves. I'll pick on you one by one. And in the, what we're here to talk about today is uh, training you received at RLI. And then you all attended the Apex Awards together where our friend here, Ashley McCraney, received the uh, the Grand Highlight Award for the evening. Um, and, and Ashley, I want to take a second and have you tell us about that as well. So I'll just work my way around uh, clockwise. Nick, tell me sort of, you know, where you're working and, and sort of how you decided to jump in to start going through the ALC training. I know that, that you and Ashley are both wrapping up your, your certifications, but as far as you guys went through the class works, the class, the class works, the classes together to get, to go through the, the, the classes for the ALC training. Yeah. So I'm in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, I've been selling land since January 16. Um, and kind of since I started, I uh, always wanted to you know, be able to differentiate myself from others um, specific to land. And so saw a great many around and a lot of the, our larger producers and larger producers at other companies that all had the designation, could see the camaraderie and network between all them. So wanted to be a part of that. And um, last year, uh, I was 22, jumped in and said, well, I'm just going to go do the Land U Week since it was in Greensboro, North Carolina, which was only about three hours from me. So it made it a little bit easier just to drive up um, for the nine or 10 days uh, to do all of that and be able to meet a bunch of folks from all over the country, um, which have become good friends at this point. And um, I'll get together when we can, talk a good bit. And, um, and that's one of the big things to me of the benefits of being a part of it. And that's Jim and uh, Ashley as well. When we were all up there together, I think I became closer and talk a good bit more now as well. So even just on the, in our team with national land, being able to lean on others a little bit more, bounce questions off and uh, just try to improve as best we can. Yeah. And Jim, you had the longest trip out of everybody, I think, right. To get to RLI. I don't know about that. Um, probably. Yeah. I was coming from, 
we'll just say just east of Omaha, Nebraska on the Iowa side. Um, but yeah, flew down there. I had already completed a couple of classes for the ALC. So I wasn't there for the full 10 days like these guys were. Um, we had our local chapter had hosted like land 101 and uh, I can't remember which other one I took here, but um, yeah, our local chapter hosted a couple of those. So I got my Iowa CE credits as well as credits for my ALC by doing those. Gotcha. And, and Ashley, you decided to go down there and, and do the ALC training as well. So tell me about your experience kind of heading down there. Well, I actually was a last minute call in. I had registered and they said it was full. And um, there was one participant who got sick and ended up not being able to make it. So they actually called me the day it started and everyone was actually already there. And they were like, we have a last minute cancellation. Can you get here? And so within an hour, I packed everything for a week and took off and drove eight hours all the way up there to take oh, it to the camp. So, yeah, it was very last minute. So I missed the very first class. And um, I think Jim miscalculated on his classes. So me and him ended up taking that one last class we needed um, live together. We ended up taking it over a Zoom um, for, what, two weeks. Um, so we ended up having one class left when we left from boot camp, but Nick got all of his at boot camp. But yeah, so I was the last minute throw in and I was so nervous because I really wasn't prepared for it. So question for all three of you, for anybody listening that that doesn't have, you know, isn't familiar with it. What's the ALC? So it's, it's the Accredited Lane Consultant. And what does it mean? Jim? Uh, what it means is that we have taken a whole bunch of uh, land-specific education courses through RLI, uh, which is Realtors Land Institute, the land-focused wing of National Association of Realtors. Um, so we have taken, let's just go through here. What is it? 101 hours of, um, CE courses through them or 110 hours, excuse me. And then, uh, we also met the volume requirements, which is $10 million in sales over, uh, a number of years. I can't remember if it's, uh, five or six years, something like that. Um, but basically it means that our business is incredibly focused on land and so um yeah that's I, I don't know what else to say about that let you guys jump in yeah i was gonna say and then you know nick you mentioned sort of you using it as a differentiator how how does that how does that work when you're you know as far as where you see and i, I realize you're still wrapping yours up but as far as the what does differentiate say an alc from other realtors out there it's a um as with any designation really um just one thing that can set you apart and show that it's not just a couple of letters that there actually is a the volume requirement the education requirement and that it is overall the number of real estate agents in any state or the country as a whole, there's a much smaller group that have actually even taken the time to go do it and shown that they are willing to go through what is necessary to show that they are a true expert in the area instead of just being with a company that only does land or only does commercial, uh, which would be the CCIM designation, anything of that nature, 
showing that you are doing everything that you can and truly are one of the best that is able to help a client accomplish whatever goal they're trying to do, buying, selling, or just a consulting basis with having a a network that comes from knowing other agents and and constantly learning um, different issues that come up in your day-to-day business. So what's some of the classes that you end up taking while you're there when, when you're going through the ALC training? I think the largest one that everybody seems to enjoy the most and say that kind of uh, facetiously, I guess, um, is the financial um, coursework. Very in-depth, a lot more of an investment analysis and bringing in a great many attributes that a lot of times just your general agent isn't going to think about. Um, so your basic, a lot of basic finance terms with your time value of money, future uh, values of money and being able to really break down as an investment worth taking um, because everything, if you're purchasing really anything, it inherently is an investment, whether that's the intent or not. It's being able to break into um, the true nature of the investment uh, from a financial standpoint. Yeah, I would I would say that that's probably the most valuable class that we took from from my perspective. And it 100% go into a listing presentation and you say, look, this is what I see with your land. These are the possible highest and best uses. And here's why I'm saying that this one is a little bit better than that one. Because if you look at it from this perspective, here are the numbers. This is what it's going to look like investment wise down the road at maturity. And another great one also was the 1031 exchanges. We went really deep into 1031 exchanges. And in my market in particular, especially as a poultry specialist, there are not a lot of agents who are truly knowledgeable in 1031 exchange. And that has definitely been a value added to my business is, you know, I've been walking my clients through all the best options for when we sell their poultry farm, what we're going to do with that large sum of money they're receiving to try to avert some of these capital gain taxes. And so I really got a lot out of the 1031 exchange classes that we did there. Um, It was definitely value added. And we also did transitional real estate. And that was really eye opening because it's not something that I dealt with a ton at the time. But ever since I've had that class, I've seen it everywhere here. So tell me a little bit about so Give give it just a one hundred and one level of ten thirty one exchanges, and then transitional real estate, uh, if you could, just for for anybody listening that doesn't know those things. So ten thirty one exchanges are uh, capital gains deferral. Uh, essentially, what you can do is if you, based off of the price that you purchased a land or real estate investment, based off of that basis then you are subject to capital gains on any increase in price when you go to sell it. So for instance, buy a property for a hundred thousand dollars, you end up selling it for a million. You've got $900,000 in capital gains. What you can do is you can take the whole million, roll it into another income producing property. And a lot of people get confused on the like for like language. All it means is it's a, piece of real estate that is not your primary residence that generates income. So you can sell a farm, buy a condo, you can sell an office building, buy a ranch, doesn't matter. As long as you're generating income off of it, 
that's a very high level generalization, (laughs) but as long as you're generating income off of it, it qualifies for that 1031 status. And then with my market, when it comes to poultry, um, commercial poultry farms have a very high depreciation rate. Um, So even if just say you built the farm and it took you a million dollars to build it and we sell it for 850,000, even though you're not selling it for more than what you put into it, you have depreciated out that for the last 10 or 15 years. So that depreciation took off of that. And so if you're making back more than what the depreciated value of it is, then it counts as capital gains. So that's where it gets really tricky in the poultry industry. Um, I will say that most of my clients, we um, end up either buying a beach condo or a house on the lake. (laughs) (laughs) We have those several years of renting it out. You know, you only have so many personal use days, but after so long of a 1031 exchange investment being used as a rental income, it can eventually be changed over to a primary residence. So we can run this for so many years and then you can go retire at that beach condo or we can go retire at that lake house. You know, and so that's another great thing that I learned from those courses was that there's a time limit. And after so long, you know, we can convert that in the end for that retirement plan and still help make just another tool in the box to help our clients get reach their their goals, their dreams. You know, we set up and ran it for the long haul with them. Yep. We're very similar in Iowa, except it's not uh, generally speaking, our landowners who are selling are at that retirement age. so we get them hooked up in a 1031 exchange. They'll buy into either Delaware statutory trust. If they don't have any place in particular that they want to finish retirement or we'll get them hooked up with a a sweet beach house, something like that, somewhere where it doesn't snow very much. Somewhere where it doesn't snow very much. So and, and plugging also, it's a good opportunity for a plug that national land has now launched national land 1031, where we have, in-house support and in-house division for 1031 exchanges. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. And it's something that we've just just started doing uh, internally. So that's kind of a big deal that we have. And we have a partnership there. Um, actually, you were also talking about it was transfer real estate. Tra- transitional, transitional land. Transitional. Okay. Tell me a little bit about that because I don't know anything about this. This is a totally different. I, I, this is a new one I haven't heard. Okay, so for example, um, in my area, there's this one road to get to Dothan that I always take, and when you turn down it, it's always peanut farms, and it's peanut land for as far as you can see. The city has now deemed that they want all of that agricultural land into residential, that they want it to expand the city. So what they did was change the ordinance that when those people, they can keep farming as long as they own it, but once they sell it, it is no longer deemed for agricultural use. It has to be residential. Ah. Um, we're transitioning from that ag use land that's been these peanut fields for my whole life into it's going to transition into neighborhoods, into um, communities. You know, they want it residential. They want to keep growing the city in that direction. Um, it's near private schools. It's it's just a really great location, and so it's going to transition from an ag land into residential. Um, and so that's what we see a lot of. We see a lot of this day and time farms turning into neighborhoods. You know, we, we see them be developed. That farmland that can only bring, you know, $3,000 an acre, turn around and instead go into, you know, half acre to acre lots for ten dollars to $15,000 an acre because now we're going to have a neighborhood, you know. And so transitional real estate is a huge thing right now because we're transitioning ag land into those neighborhoods, into those 
industrial parks. And so that's where you're looking at a property and we're looking for the highest and best use. Is the best use for this piece of property going to be the ag land that it's been used for for the last 10 years? Or is the best use for this piece of property to grow this this town or this city that is running out of room? Which which is our best use and what's going to get our client the most return on for their sales? So that's where that transitional real estate training really comes into play and was a really great asset to really sitting there and taking that hard look, look at your zoning laws, um, you know, talking with the cities, seeing what we what would be the highest and best use for that to get our client the most money for their piece of land. That's kind of where the artistry of what we do comes into play too, because we have to be able to understand this is agricultural ground right now. We have to be able to go to the county and figure out what utilities, what infrastructure is already in the dirt that maybe you don't see from the surface. And then we have to be able to, to price it accordingly so that, number one, you've got this very finite asset of the land that is in the path of development. And number two, it still needs a whole bunch of work before it is truly, quote unquote, developed ground. So that's, that's where we, that class kind of helps you understand how to bridge that gap between the two steps. I got you. Is that part of an annexation process or is it? It, it just, can be. It, it can be, but not always. Not always. Yeah. Around so South like we Carolina, live, we have a bunch uh, of that. Like around Columbia, for example, we've got three major interstates. Um, and each of those lead to a very high density uh, population area with Charlotte, Greenville and Charleston. Um, so there's a lot of acreage that was in between those that was out in the middle of nowhere for so long. Now, as each of those cities is growing um, in their different directions, it's encroaching on that area that was just out in the sticks, so to speak, with mainly an agricultural focus. So following those and keeping track of where your utilities are, what the path of growth is, where there's availability of that acreage that also touches your um, routes of, of shipping, so to speak, trucking, all of that, and your um, utilities being the largest thing, um, really all play in together. Um, and then one other thing wanted to, that kind of comes into all of that as well, that was a second course that we did is understanding different types of energies and renewable energies that we can, um, you know, some properties, the highest and best use may appear to be farmland in South Carolina, our farmland is not as productive as it is in Indiana, Iowa, Illinois. It's just, we just don't have the soils and um, climate to be able to uh, take really great gains off of those crops. But uh, you could come in and have a solar farm that's paying 10x what a um, your traditional crop is. Um, and then to correlate that back in as well with the financial aspect, what you can do with those future cash flows um, and how that can then come back to a 1031 exchange to put it into present value and being able to incorporate everything together um, is something that most people probably don't understand. So being able to explain it and understand the ins and outs is huge. I was going to say, so part of what you're doing throughout this process is, is you are learning the vehicles and tools to sort of give someone not just the advice to buy a chunk of land, you're like, you're helping set up a business plan and you're helping set up future investments and you're helping set up strategies. I mean, 
when I say investments, they're not invested, but you're helping them understand what they're doing with, with their money and how that's working and what they'll be doing with the land in the future. Right. And being able to definitely. So being able to, to intelligently have a conversation with their financial advisor and accountant right. to work something out that really plays in and, and completes the portfolio. We can be that expert on this part of the portfolio and then have your other experts in the tax field and um, financial, uh, like that person's overall portfolio, how all of those things can come in. Do they need tax credits? Do they not? Do they need more cash flow? Whatever the case is, incorporate everything and be able to help those conversations with those other appropriate experts in whatever field that needs to be. I was going to say, I saw, I saw Jim's head pop up when I said investments, you're not working with investments on behalf of the person. You have to be very specific with that. Um, Cause I, I have worked in that world too. Um, it, that's a, that's a real estate agent's favorite word. I'm not a, I'm not, a, <laughs> yeah, I'm not an attorney. I'm not a banker. I'm not a, I'm not an expert on anything except the land, but what I can do is I can help you think of this whole broad picture that you're trying to paint and I can help you piece it out to where this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. And this is who you need to talk to to actually set this thing up for success. I got you. And so how long of a time, so you went to this, the the whole class thing and Jim, you didn't go the whole time, but it's like, a, it's a 10 day thing that, that you attend, but that's not it, right? Like you go to this and you go 10 days of solid coursework, but then you have to put other things together and submit them. And that's what Nick and you and Ashley are going through now. And Jim, you already have. Tell me a little bit about the after class stuff that you're having to put together. And then we'll jump on into the, the Apex Awards and stuff. So you have to put together your portfolio is what they call it. But it's essentially line, lining out each one of your transactions that qualify for that total of $10 million in, in sales volume. And there's a little bit of realtor math in there in that if you represent one side and the other side's not represented, you get to double that sale. But anyway, I think when it was all said and done, I had to go through, it was like eight months worth of sales. And I was up north of 16 million, I think was my number. But anyway, um, but it has to be, you know, 51% minimum has to be agricultural land for the art, for the ALC. Uh, can't be any more than 20% of your volume comes from residential sales. Um, and that would be for us being out in the sticks, it's a little bit of a gray area, but when you look at a deal individually, like I sold, um, a farmstead that had, it was a hundred and it's like 126 acres total. It had about 40 acre pond on it. It had uh, a little over 60 acres of tillable on it. And then the remainder was the farmstead. So the main value still came from the tillable ground because of what dollars per acre are like out here. But I had to take part of that volume and subtract it because the how, or if, if I, if I wanted to, I could have taken part of the value off like hundred thousand, let's say for the house and then deduct it accordingly. But, um, yeah, there's, there's a whole spreadsheet 
that we have to fill out. And then each one of those line items, you have to go in and write a testimonial. What went right? What did you learn? What went wrong? What did you learn? Um, what were your big takeaways? All that fun stuff. So that's, it's a little bit time consuming to get through all those. And, you know, when you have to go back and, and rack your brain over the last year or two, sometimes, uh, it can, it can get a little bit tricky, but, um, yeah, once you get it done, it's, it's, a, it's a one and done thing. So. Gotcha. So and that's the, and the, the, so there's, you spoke to essays. Is that the, the essays are part of this, right? Where you're, you're doing an essay on the actual sales that you've gone through that qualify you, right? It's twofold. So you have to do your testimonials, but then there's also, uh, you basically have to write an essay on why I want to be an ALC. Gotcha. Okay. So that's the other part of it. Takes you back to like college admissions essays. Like, why do you want to be a Husker? Because <laughs> like, I don't want to be a Hawkeye, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> so, so you go through all this training and then, and then, you know, you're still working through it's on, on with, for Nick and Ashley. Um, so then you all packed up and went to the RLI apex awards as well. And I wanted to talk about sort of what that is and what that recognizes. And Ashley, I want to give you the floor there, sort of talk about, uh, well, I, I guess it's a, a better perspective would be to talk to, to Nick and Jim about watching Ashley win some fancy award, uh, and, and talk about what that sort of what that win means. And, uh, just tell me a little bit, a bit about it in general. Well, we get to the land conferences at the end of the year. So it, it's for all our lot. Anyone who's a member of the Realtor Land Institute, um, it's a huge land conference. And it's where a, a lot of the committees, our lot has a lot of committees. I'm on the Future Leaders Committee. Um, you're, all of your committees have a meeting usually at the conference. Um, you have a lot of really great vendors, but I will tell you, it is the best networking event I've ever been to. And so it was it was a really amazing experience from that aspect. But it's for anyone who's part of our lot. So even if they don't have an ALC, even if they haven't been through boot camp or haven't even taken any of the classes yet, it's you know, everyone's allowed to come together there. Um, National Land, we actually had a booth there as well, so that you know we could meet all the best in the business as well. So we had a booth set up there that Logan came and ran. Um, and me and Nick ended up having to assemble a sign for it. <laughs> 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 which took quite the creativity for that. Um, if somebody could work there too. That, yeah. If somebody could have recorded that, that would have been yeah hilarious to have a blooper on NLR for, but we did not know what we were doing. But um, so anyways, it was just a really great time and a really great time to come together. And anyone who's part of the RLI is allowed to apply for an apex award and the apex um, producers club. You just have to have 5 million in production that year. Um, of course, from land sales specifically, that residential doesn't count in it um, to the same extent. It's kind of just like the other. It, it's a percentage. You have to have majority land sales for the producers club. Um, and so they, you can, anyone who meets the sales volume can apply. It's it's tedious to apply for that too, though. It's a spreadsheet you got to fill out. Um, there is a cost to do that, but really it's just your ticket to the word banquet is the cost for applying for it. So you pay the I think it's like a hundred or $150, but that's actually that gets you your ticket into the apex awards, which is the, you know, seated dinner banquet thing. Um, and so we were all really excited to, to be part of that producers club and to, you know, see, but from that they have top awards. And so they have, they even have a residential one and they have, um, you know, like the rising star for apex. They have, 
Um, of course, the top producer in general, like the one who is best overall, the biggest ALC to ALC deal. And then they have the top 20 brokers. And then they have one for each individual thing. Like, so um, Clint was actually our forestry. So he got the Apex Broker of the Year for forestry. Um, so there was, you know, so we actually had two award winners from NLR in the top as well. So um, they, they go real specific. So you apply, if you meet the minimum, you know you'll get a producer's, but you don't know the rest of them. They don't tell you who wins the top ones till you're at the banquet. And and they also have an award there, I hear, for uh, National Broker of the Year in Agribusiness, which is which is a fairly prestigious award. I, I you know, I would, and, and Ashley, you won that award. Um, Nick, do you think that she knew she was going to win? Don't think she knew she was going to win. Um, it was quite entertaining, actually, as they were going through and said some things about the winner. And then all of a sudden, Ashley's face pops up on the big screen in front of everybody. And she just starts clapping and, and looking forward, saying, yay, good for you. And I turned around and was kind of like, that's you. Um, or are you going to get up and go up there? Or like, uh, what's what's your plan here? Um, I think that's when the realization kind of hit, uh, hit Ashley that she was indeed the winner. Um, so it was pretty funny um, watching that swing of emotions go from just supportive to, to whoever won to realizing that she had won. Um, it, was, it was pretty funny. I feel like that's a pretty good testament of character for Ashley, that she's going to be inclined to support whoever is up there and like, you know, be completely in it and then not, not take the glory for herself until she realizes that she's getting the award. I feel like that's uh that's kind of on brand for her. <laughs> Definitely. Nate looked at me and he said, I can't go on the stage for you. And I was like, what? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Ashley, you, you've been a guest on the podcast. Actually, as we're recording this, your podcast is running this week on, on your specialization in poultry. I was wondering if you could tell us sort of, you know, you did, you got the, you got the award for agribusiness sort of tell me what, what you're specializing in and you know, what your sort of focus is in your area. So it's funny. My whole story coming to NLR is that I wanted to bring poultry into NLR. You know, if you look at our branding, it's always about land. It's, you know, we have all the timber guys, you know, we're the best in the business at farmland and ag land timberlands, rec tracks, but I wanted to bring a poultry specialization into National Land Realty. And so it's just funny. That's what my whole goal was, was starting was to build a poultry brand for National Land Realty. And so I was the first ever female to ever win this award. I'm going to put that out there. So that's another reason why I shocked That's me. an important thing. And we, we didn't cover that at the front. That's a big deal. Yes. And we sat at the table with all the other guys that do what I do. So me and Nick did that night. And so I was really intimidated because these guys have been doing a lot longer than I have. Um, you know, this is only my third year in real estate. So I made the sales volume and won that award on my second year in real estate. And so I was not expecting to win that award. Um, so but when I came into this, my passion is for poultry, is for agriculture. My husband and I are, are poultry producers ourselves. We are also row crop. We have peanuts. We do produce. Um, so we're big farmers. And so ag has just always been my passion, um, but especially poultry. We've always been in the poultry industry. Um, I really love it. It's just what, you know, and you, I always tell everybody when they ask about sales or becoming 
a real estate agent or any kind of sales, whether it be insurance or whatever, your passion, whatever you're passionate for, you can sell because other people, your passion's contagious. Other people catch that excitement you have for that. And that's how I'm with chickens. You can ask anyone if I ever start talking about them. It's just rambling for days. <laughs> so that's where, you know, my love is is in ag and in, in poultry. And so I started as really the only one at National Land that did much with poultry. There's a lot of other guys who know enough about it to be dangerous. We'll sell it, you know, um, and they, uh, they, they've learned about, a lot about it in their market. But for us, it's, it's being on the producer side of it to be able to really understand what people are going through. Um, the, I can tell you what the real struggles in the poultry industry are and um, the lack of help that was there for us. When we bought our first farm, we were really young. And we bought an existing farm and we remodeled it. And that took a lot of work and it took a lot of decisions that no one helped guide us to make. There was no one there to say, hey, you need to put in the same controller as your neighbor because that neighbor is who's going to come help you at 3 a.m. So you need to make sure he knows how to run your controller too if you're new to this. You know, and you didn't know which which little quirks. You didn't have much guidance on the banking, on um, which bankers did this and this. And so it was really you were just kind of really overwhelmed with the decisions you had to make. And there was no one to really guide that process like there is if you're building new. If you're building new, the company's going to come in and be like, I want this and this and this and this. You know, you're going to use this bank. We're going to do this. But when you're remodeled, it's not the same. And so then we turned around and did it again. So we're crazy. We did it a second time. We bought another farm. It was an older farm. And we remodeled it. And it was it's my farm, Raising Grace Farms. And um, and it's funny, my the reason why we actually went from working for the integrator in poultry to actually be in poultry producers was we had our daughter, our youngest one, Ailey Grace. So our whole poultry journey was about raising Grace. <laughs> so that's where the name of my farm come from. Um, and so we, we really saw that there was still such a need. We had a big growth in our area of new builds. So we had new construction and expansion and we were popping up these new mega houses everywhere. And people were leaving these really great jobs to come home and run these farms. And they really thought that they just was gonna run themselves. And so I had always worked in the lending industry. I'd always been a banker um, until we really started producing poultry ourselves. So from using the ag bankers and from being an ag banker, um, I really knew the ins and outs as well to be able to help guide people to choosing the right bank, making sure that their splits are set up, you know, um, I know the ones that can get it done the quickest and which ones are preferred FSA lenders and all those things they play into this. They play into how long it takes to get this process done. Um, and so when all the expansion happened, I kept telling my husband, I said, you know, these people are going to be lost. They're going to be lost three years from now when all 15 fans go out on the same plot because they didn't know to rotate maintenance their fans. They didn't know to change their program every time in minimum events. So the same five fans aren't running constantly in every house, every plot. Um, you know, the little things like that. And then they go for sale. That's what you see, a big trend. You see an expansion and then three to five years, you see big sales. And the next people are going to line up to jump into this without someone to guide them either. And so he was like, well, quit talking about it and do something about it. <laughs> and so that's why I really went into this to help people. I really wanted to be able to help guide the people who are like us, those young couples getting into it, uh, maybe someone who's never been in the poultry industry, and sometimes even seasoned ones that maybe ran older houses and now they're going to mega houses. Um, I want to be able to help those people retire who have done this for 15 to 20 years. They've raised their kids and they've got them into college and that was their purpose. And now they want the lake house or the beach house. And they don't want to be still having to work seven days a week in these poultry houses. And so I really got in it to help people. And um, Forrest during he would just come to our area and 
he was a new broker and he said, he called me one day and he said, I was told if I want to be successful in South Alabama, that I had to have a poultry specialist. He said, and I hear you're it. And so I was tickled pink to go and um, meet him kind of <laughs> what it was like to be a new in South Alabama. And he, you know, I knew everything there was no about chickens, but he taught me about real estate and um, it really just grew from there. And we were also huge in the farm federation. So to be able to be connected with farmers all over Alabama um, really went a long way to, you know, I was able to help a lot of people sell their farms that we were friends with. Um, a lot of them that were interested in poultry farming, get into it. So I just really felt like it was a calling that helped me make a difference and something I was passionate about. And so that's why I was a poultry specialist. Now land, I love land, ag land, row crop land. I do a lot of that as well, but, um, but poultry, and that's one of the reasons I pursued ALC, um, you know, my poultry specialist, everyone knows I'm a poultry specialist. They know that I sell chicken houses, but I'm also a farmer at row crop land produce. I mean, we, we love high land, rec land. Um, we actually used to run a commercial pecan operation. So the ALC designation is one of those things that helps it stand out that not only do I know about poultry, but I'm also very well and knowledgeable about land. I'm a land specialist as well. And that ALC designation kind of helps that stand out that it's not just me saying that it is on paper. We went through the classes. We went through the training. You know, we put in the work to be able to say that we're the best there is in land because we didn't just go, hey, I'm it. Like with poultry, I'd put in all the years of experience and I, I run a farm every day. You know, it, my poultry experience speaks for itself. I don't have to have a piece of paper that says I'm a poultry specialist. I've got a whole farm that shows it. But um, with the ALC designation, you know, it shows that we're not just someone who's sitting there saying, oh, we can take the best care of you, um, you know, in your land. Oh, we well, should choose us. It's, it's, hey, I put in this work. I have 110 hours of coursework that says that I put in the work to prove that I'm the best one to take care of you, that I actually have the knowledge and expertise to take care of your needs and to meet your needs. And so that was one of the biggest things that that drew me into the RLI as a poultry specialist was I wanted that education and I wanted to be able to say, you know, I'm also a land specialist because I put in the work, not just because I say it. Yeah, and I, I was going to say from your from your work background and, and the things you've done in the last three years, it was a it was an award that you have earned, um, and it, it's just it's very very cool to to uh, to sort of hear that story. I wanted to, to pivot a little bit, Nick and Jim, and throw you on the spot here. I've heard the word networking brought up, and, and I'm assuming networking went into both the Apex Awards and the ALC courses that you did. How important is networking between land professionals like yourselves sort of from these events? What do you gain from it and sort of what's the value that you see from it? You can look at it from a bunch of different directions and I'm a very social person, talk with everybody, um, always have, probably always will. Um, but so to, to me on the ALC side, I'm happened to just meet, meet one, um, another agent from Colorado, um, with whitetail properties. And we just became friends the very first day, meet the rest of the whitetail guys that were there. And, um, they hung out with them the whole time have, have even gone out to, um, some football games, um, with, with some of them. But so the, the fun thing about that is when, you know, we meet different folks, around even if it's with different companies we're able to to just increase our network that we have within the company to be able to help clients if they want to move to another state um and and even uh, one big thing in colorado is their water rights well they they've got issues not enough water 
I'm in South Carolina. I've got issues because we've got too much water. Um, so it's, it's interesting uh, dealing with the, and hearing different opinions and, and learning about that. So when a client does come to South Carolina from Colorado or another, another state that has um, issues with their water rights, being able to understand where they're coming from, um, both location-wise and um, principle-wise, what their, their hesitations are. Um, and then from there on the networking side, if um, you know, we, we need something to refer somebody, ideally we're going to go to somebody else in the company. But if um, you know, we don't have anybody in the area that's close enough that can really specialize, knowing somebody else that we know has put in the work and um, is like-minded um, in how we like to run our business, that we have those people to be able to, to lean on, um, that, which really, really helps on on finding properties because at the end of the day, you can't have sellers that don't want to sell their property unless they can do a 1031 into a, another property in another area. And I don't know the diff, you know, the differences and things to look for in, in another state that's a couple hundred miles away. Um, but somebody else there does so being able to really help somebody from, or one of our clients to do what they need to in the long run is huge. Um, and just getting through the differences in a lot of those different areas and, and just hearing how folks overcome issues. Um, a lot of, a lot of times we're going to have similar issues with sellers, with buyers, overcoming objections, things of that nature. So just hearing how somebody may overcome that in Texas or, um, I mean, any other state compared to South Carolina or Alabama or, um, Indiana, that's hearing the, how they like to overcome things from a sales perspective um, is huge to me being able to um, you know, hear a little quip from somebody um, that just to spin something around onto um, somebody that's just trying to be a pain, able to kind of give something and let them think about it from the sales side. Um, so hearing all kinds of different things to me is really, it's kind of a continuation on the education side, but also just improving skills from, um, from a business and sales perspective. And our boot camp was filled with a lot more than just agents. We had appraisers um, and we had investors and we had a lot of people that popped in for the different classes while we were there. And that truly really expanded our network too. Um, we definitely met some interesting characters that did a lot of uh, like Mr. Jeff, we really liked him. He, he was, he does a lot of crazy investing stuff and he has investors lined up everywhere and you never know what even country he's going to be in today. Okay. And so he was a great takeaway from that, that we've had that friendship relationship and he came to the, our, our land conference too. So he was there again. Um, there was a really great uh, guy whose wife also runs an appraisal company while he runs the real estate side. So she actually does poultry appraisals in Tennessee. So that was a great connection for me as someone who's pursuing my Tennessee license. But now I also have a poultry appraiser there for the properties there. And so it, it just the networking of even just outside of real estate, like the other attributes of real estate that you met, you meet the guys who are the best in solar, whereas that's something I'm not as knowledgeable about. But we got to me and Nick and um, Pete went and had lunch with a solar company while we were at the RLI conference. Um, so you just really expand your network and things that you wouldn't even expect. I going to say you end up collaborating. That's, that's where the, the just with land sales in general, there's a level of collaboration that happens between even competing companies that, that sort of, and you have to maintain sort of a friendly level with everybody just because you might be with competing companies. And if you work in the same area, invariably you're going to work together at, at some point on a sale, like representing a buyer or a seller on something like that. 
And, and if you have a difficult relationship, the transaction process is probably going to be difficult too. And you've got to be able to maintain that stuff. And then getting information across state lines where you're talking about, you're representing someone who's moving to another state, having a network to be able to set them up for success, wherever they're going. If your company is underrepresented in that area, then, then you have an opportunity to, to still work with somebody, you know, and that's, it's, it's a very, very unique industry on that level. You're not going to, and I, I lump it in the service industry. You're not exactly going to find, we, we mentioned investments, right? Like if you, you're not going to find an investment advisor calling another investment advisor to be like, Hey, so I got this client that's going into your area. That's not ever, never going to happen. Or, or, you know, residential, you don't see that as much. They're, they're very competitive at residential. So you don't see as much collaboration. This is a very unique industry on that level is that do you, Jim, I, I'd put you on the spot here. Do you feel like that plays a fairly significant part of, of what you all do? So the best uh, analogy that probably everybody would understand is like you look at professional athletes, football players, basketball players, baseball players. They all travel all over the country to do their work. And regardless if you're viewing each other for, you know, one hour a week or one hour a season as your arch nemesis, the rest of the season, your colleagues. So what, what RLI really, especially from the networking standpoint, what that does for us, like, yes, we're all competitors. Yes. I would much rather take both sides of a sale than have to split it with somebody. But at the same time, if I go out and I get a deal done on somebody else's listing, I've got the buyer, they've got the, the seller and we have a good experience there, then chances are pretty good. The next time they need something in my area, they're going to come talk to me. Right. So it, it RLI just helps facilitate that so that we can really be, you know, I, I wouldn't even necessarily call us all competitors. We're just teammates that might, you know, be competing for like a starting spot. I got you. Okay. That's, that's a really good analogy. I appreciate that. Um, so I've, I've held you all here for like an hour. I know that y'all have to like move on with your days and like do your thing. Um, but sort of any, any last words you want to throw in here on, on ALC doing the RLI, you know, the, the conference for apex awards, um, you know, any, any kind of last little, you know, insights. I would definitely say if there was a new agent getting into the land industry, that the best place to really start would be RLI. Like it, that's one of the most important tools you can have in your toolbox is RLI and the networking, the collaboration you're going to learn from it, the education you're going to get from it. And that's what's going to help you stand out in your field um, as you move through your career. And it's just best to get that out of the way at the beginning, like just start. <laughs> and that way you already have the best foundation from the beginning. I see a lot of head nodding there. Nick, Jim, agreed? Yeah, I mean, for me, starting out, I didn't get near the uh, the sprinter start that Ashley did. It took me a couple of years to break into my market. So um, what, I leaned on my broker, who's an ALC, quite a bit. And he leaned on the RLI network a little bit to help me out to get started. And similarly, like I'm under Ryan Schroeder and then Aaron Graham is out of our office too. They're both ALCs. Um, so as far as the networking goes, it was kind of one of those things where, you know, once I got that first listing, then 
Ryan was like, all right, call this guy, call this guy, call this guy, call this lady, call this lady, you know, call all these people because chances are pretty good that if it's land in this area, they're going to have at least some input that will be valuable to you if it's not an offer. Excellent. Agreed, Nick. That's one of the first things you should do, get into RLI. I definitely think getting into RLI would be be great for anybody. Um, well, to me, and the same thing both have said, um, if, you, if you're going at it from a friend relationship and, and to your competition, it, it doesn't become a competition. It's we both can get more out of working together, whether you're with the same company or not. So if you're able to have that network um, and, and trust in somebody else that you can can get by spending time and spending time, especially in you know, very um, applicable type events, it's, it's something that really can help the overall um, success of your business. Um, and piggybacking off of what I believe Jim said earlier, um, I know of, of several of guy, of guys from other companies around I've reached out to since meeting a lot of the other guys in their company and you know, saying, Hey, Nick, nice to meet you. Just wanted to reach out. Uh, if I can help with anything up this way, you know, let me know. Um, I've got to know these other folks with you. Um, and I'm sure they probably ended up calling and saying, you know, how, how is this guy? Um, but so having that friend aspect come into things is, is huge and can really, really help pay dividends over the long run because you're not competing with somebody. You're trying to work with them to expand your reach, their reach, your client's reach, everything at one time. And just working with a friend is, is more fun than working with somebody you don't like. So if I'm hearing loud and clear from all you, worth it. Worth definitely, it. Definitely, if you're new, get other people to go with you to boot camp from your own team because I'll admit I was lost. National land's huge. I was lost when I first come into national land of, you know, just overwhelmed with people. But the three of us, after we went through boot camp, I fall and harass these two with everything. They can they can attest to that. But it, it built a camaraderie within our own team, and you know, we we built those lines with everyone else. But we we built a a relationship that'll always last because we went through that together. <laughs> Yeah. And actually to piggyback off of that, you look around national land and you can pick out the groups that went through ALC classes together, like <laughs> Jeremy and Ryan and Aaron. And like, even at our sales conference, you can see like, okay, these people from all over the country, this group, how did they get together? Chances are it was RLI. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you all for for taking the time here to talk about this today. I feel like RLI owes us a promo something for for the for the for the uh, you know, talking them up here. But no, it's 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 great to it's great to review sort of the work that you all have put in. So very much appreciated. Appreciate your time. Thank you for uh, for uh, being a guest here today. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, thanks for having us on. This concludes episode number 59 for the National Land Realty Podcast, discussing the accredited land consultant accreditation and the Realtors Land Institute Apex Awards with Ashley McCraney, Jim Fleissner, and Nicholas Artis of National Land Realty. You can learn more about land ownership and the buying and selling of land at nationallands.com.